Welcome to Food Chat, a weekly show that's all about food production, including farming, ranching, processing, and basically all things involved in getting food from the field to your plate. Now, let's get you reconnected to your food, and here are your hosts, Greg Bloom and Chef Jackson Lamb. Talk about an uphill battle, 2,000 acres of beans and cattle. He don't ever get rattled. He just goes to the sun goes down. This is Gregory Bloom, and you are listening to Food Chat. Food Chat is about reconnecting you to your food, and it's on Wednesdays at 12.30 p.m. here at 560 KLZ. Food Chat is about food production, including farming, ranching, processing, and just basically everything that's involved in getting food from the field to your plate. We interview farmers, ranchers, food processing companies, restaurant owners, chefs, and you'll learn a lot of things about food production and food preparation that you didn't know. Past episodes of Food Chat can be found at foodchat.us. Get reconnected to your food. Listen to Food Chat. Hey, today's show is all about bacon. And, you know, bacon has this cult following, I think, like, like unlike any other food group, I can't think of another food that, that has just this amazing following and uh, all the cool things that uh, come out of the, you know, the love of bacon. So I have some bacon experts as guests, not only bacon experts, but uh, pig raising experts, Tim and Nisa Beeler. Tim and Nisa, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be on. Great. I would think it would be a great way to start, uh, Tim, if you could just explain before we get into bacon and how to cook bacon and all the different types of bacon and how the Beeler's bacon is different than some bacon found in the marketplace, let's talk about the Beeler family and how did you get started raising pigs? Well, we got started raising pigs because we were born on a pig farm. And um, uh, my brothers and I eventually bought the farm from our dad. We raised a lot of pigs. And one day we said, um, why are we raising these pigs just to sell to the commodity market? It's an up and down market and we need to do some niche marketing so we can control our livelihood and our future and create something sustainable for our families going forward. So our first venture was to open our own retail market in West Des Moines, Iowa. And at that time we said, what's going to make us different? Why are people going to shop at our store? And the whole so-called natural complex was in its infancy then so we decided to do that. We pulled all the antibiotics out of our uh, rations that we were feeding our pigs and opened up a store in West Des Moines, Iowa in 1987 featuring our antibiotic report. And while that was important at the time, I don't think it was as important as the fact that our customers loved the idea that we were the ones raising their food and they got to buy it direct from the farm to their table, so to speak. So that's how we got in it. We ran that store for eight years. We sold it, and then we got into the wholesale business and started marketing our pork throughout the country to high-end grocery chains and very high-end restaurants. I think your story is so unique today, Tim and Nisa, because I've uh, talked about this fact on Food Chat before, is that when you go to, if a consumer goes to a retail store today and picks up the package and looks at the brand name on the package at the retail store, most often it's the store brand now or it's the name of the meat company brand, but very seldom is it the brand name of the farmer actual family that's raising the meat anymore. That's kind of long gone, which is what makes your bacon and your pork products so 
unique in the marketplace is that you're still raising the pigs. But I want to ask you, I grew up uh, about pig production because I grew up as a 4-H kid on a small 40-acre hobby farm, and I raised pigs and just three to five a year, and then we slaughtered them, and I learned all about pigs and keeping all the records you have to do for 4-H. But uh, you raise a specific breed of pig, and you raise them uh, in a certain way. And I'd like you to uh, to talk about that, Tim, and then, Nisa, you can chime in, too. Okay. Yes, we do raise a specific breed, and we selected a heritage Duroc. And the reason we selected the Duroc breed is because they're known for their carcass quality, and we wanted to bring flavor back into the pork items. And like you, we were... Uh, I was extremely involved in 4-H, and my dad's idea of a vacation was to hook onto a trailer and throw a pig in the back, and the first kid that ran by, and we went off to some pig show. So we've been in, involved in the pig business a long time. My kids, Nessus, has shown pigs at the county fair, state fair, Exarbon, so we're very involved in the pig business. But when we decided to do that, and we decided to market to the high-end segment of the uh, market, we knew that our product had to be the best. So like I said, we selected Duroc, but then we worked with our geneticists to make sure that we were doing the right thing. We focused on bringing marbling back into the meat because that's what makes it tender. But our geneticists also said, you know, we can, we can add all the marbling you want. You can have a tender but dry pork chop. So he said, you also got to focus on the pH level, which is the water holding capacity. So between the two, we feel that we have created a very tender and juicy pork chop that people absolutely love. And chefs all across this country from New York to San Francisco have told us, we don't know what you guys are doing, but please don't change because you have one phenomenal product. And, you know, for people that don't know, and most of the listeners to this show, Tim, uh, are urban dwellers and probably have never raised pigs, so they probably don't even know really what pigs eat. So why don't you explain just a little bit about what, what your pigs eat to, uh, to, to, to gain weight? Well, the <clears throat> most commonly used diet to raise pigs is corn. And, of course, in the state of Iowa, we raise plenty of corn. Right. And that is the energy source which makes the pigs gain weight. And then we add soybean meal made from soybeans, which is the protein source to help the muscle development and help the pigs grow um, also. Now, we do not use any antibiotics or growth promotants or anything like that. So it takes our pigs longer to get to market. It'll uh, take probably about an extra month, so they grow slow, ensuring that they have the time to make the fat deposition in their carcass to give it the flavor. Right, and that kind of slow growth process is one reason, and there's other reasons, but uh, one reason why uh, your pork costs a little bit more than conventional pork, which is grown more to be more efficient and get to market quicker. I love this quote you have on your brochure by Benjamin Franklin. The quote by Ben Franklin is, the bitterness of poor quality remains long after the sweetness of low price is forgotten. And uh, I think that that's a great correct. quote. <laughs> yeah. And I might also add, not. I mean, we, yes, we use a corn-soy diet, but we also feed our pigs non-GMO produced corn and soybeans. So, uh, that is spatial grain that costs more than the, uh, the regular feed. That's another reason ours are a little bit, our product's a little bit higher. We also do not use gestation crates on our farm, so the, 
the sows have plenty of room to move around and roam around, and that's, uh, again, an added cost. Anytime you do anything spatial outside the norm of typical pig production, the prices go up. But I think most people that try our product after they, uh, whether it's the pork chops, the bacon, the hams, the sausage, uh, they realize that there is a difference and a difference worth paying yeah, and people that um, I sell your product to in the Colorado area, all they have to do is try it, and they'll see there's a difference, whether it's the pork chops or the hams or the bacon or any of your products. So you can just taste the quality. So let's get into bacon, though, because this is kind of the bacon show, and I want you to talk about what makes Beeler's bacon so good. And most people listening do not know how bacon is made, so why don't you kind of step through the process? Okay, well... First of all, bacon is made out of the pork belly, and where the, uh, the pork belly is on the side of the pig. And even though we don't crawl around on our hands and knees, uh, the pig's body is very similar to a human. So if you would take your hand and put it right under your armpit and run it down to your waist, feel your ribs, the belly is what covers up those ribs. So when the carcass is processed, that belly is peeled off of the ribs. Our bellies are inspected and selected for bacon production. If the belly is too thin or too wide or too narrow, it does not go into our bacon production. So the bellies are kind of hand-selected, and then the ones that are selected are even go through a trimming process to trim off um, excess fat or excess lean if it's not where it's supposed to be and kind of square them up. Then they are sent to the bacon production plant where they are injected with a natural solution of water, salt, sea salt, uh, celery powder, uh, and turbinado sugar. Then they are allowed to set in that solution for about eight hours. Then they go into a smokehouse and are in the smokehouse for five to six hours, during which time the smoke is applied for about four hours. And it is all natural smoke, wood smoke, no artificial smoke or flavor. Uh, and we use a virgin white hickory, a very specific hickory wood, to smoke our bacon, which gives it a tremendous aroma without being overpowering or bitter. When it comes out of the smokehouse, of course, it has to go into a cooler to be cooled down, and this is all regulated by USDA, and it has to come down to a um, certain degree before they can slice it and pack it, and it has to be cool, obviously, before it goes into a pack, a package. Otherwise, if it goes into that package warm, it's going to uh, deteriorate. So we, all of that is monitored um, at the plant. They have temp, uh, temp gauges on everything, so they know exactly when that is accomplished and when they can slice and pack. Okay. So it's quite a it's quite a process. It's not easy. I mean, there's people I see online trying to make their own bacon, but uh, and that's one thing we didn't try to do, Tim, when we're on the farm is we didn't uh, try to cure our own meat. We would send that off to a local locker because we didn't have the smokehouse and the setup and all that. And uh, mm -hmm. it's it's quite a, quite a process. It's quite laborious. It is a process. And we try to keep it very, very simple. We just use very few ingredients, and we use all natural ingredients. We do not add the commercial sodium nitrite or sodium phosphates. Like I said, it's uh, celery powder, sea salt, and turbinado sugar. 
right? Very simple ingredient statement. Hey, Anissa, I have a question for you. I want to ask you about why you think bacon has this kind of cult-like following. Like if you go to Amazon and you type in bacon gifts, there's so many different things about bacon. And uh, even uh, Charlie, our producer here, was telling me before the show about an America Funniest Home video he saw where this little kid who could just barely talk is having a tantrum because they're out of bacon at the house. So what, what is it about bacon, do you think, that's just so special? Greg, you know what? I think that people love bacon, one, because it is delicious, and two, because it marries, you know, that meat, but also the fat content. You know, a lot of people are afraid of that, but that brings some of that flavor, that juiciness. You can, you know, and and the funny thing about bacon is people like it a lot of different ways, but it's one of those things that I don't think there's a wrong way. You can have chewy bacon, you can have crispy bacon, but no matter what kind it is, it's always going to be delicious. And I will say that my kids are some of those kids that need their bacon. You know, they are upset if we are out and, you know, nine out of 10 mornings, I will say, what do you want for breakfast this morning? And bacon is their number one choice. Yeah, that's right. It is delicious. And it's such a great supplement to a lot of other foods like a burger. I mean, I really don't enjoy a burger without bacon on it. And I really don't enjoy my uh, breakfast on Sunday morning before I go to church without some Beeler's bacon on the side. So it's just one of those things you have to have. In fact, there's a comedian, Tim Gaffigan, out there have ever seen his skit on bacon, but he has like a couple great lines about bacon. Actually talks about for about 10 minutes. But one of the things he says is, can you ever make too much bacon? No, you can never make too much bacon. And so I want to talk about cooking bacon, uh, among other things this morning. So let's talk about uh, the best ways to cook bacon. I think, Nisa, most people think of the stovetop and the skillet. That's probably the way they grew up watching mom or grandma cook bacon. But I think there's a better way to cook bacon. But what do you think? You're the bacon expert. About look, Tell us about cooking bacon. Well, let me tell you, I have cooked bacon probably every way possible. And I find that each way has their own, um, you know, preference or, or you know, it's, it's really relative to what you're doing with the bacon. So if I'm going to make a lot of bacon and I want it all done pretty uniform, I'm going to go ahead and line a sheet pan with some parchment paper and do it in my oven. It is mess-free. There's no splattering. There's, you know, um, very little cleanup involved in that. And it's super easy because you just lay it out, you throw it in the oven, and it's done. Now, if I'm just fixing one or two slices, I may pull out the frying pan. The frying pan is probably my least favorite just because of the splatters and the crackling and that kind of thing. So that's probably my least favorite. But in, in the recent times, and these may be things people have in their home, they might be collecting dust. You might not know what to do with it. But there are several other things you can do. If you have a George Foreman grill, you can put a few slices in there. And again, it's pretty mess-free. No splatters, no popping, none of that, and it will cook it pretty uniform. Another thing you can do with it is you can throw it in an air fryer. Again, pretty mess-free, um, no splattering, and it's quick and easy. Um, lastly, you can microwave it, but there's some tricky parts about microwaving. If you have really thick sliced bacon like ours, sometimes it's hard to achieve that that crunchy 
uh, crispy bacon that some people like. So that's my least favorite behind uh, pan frying, just because it's very difficult to get it done to the right consistency. Right. I prefer the uh, oven method for a couple reasons. One is I can batch cook all the bacon I need for all week long for my BLTs and my breakfast, and I can put that bacon in my refrigerator and eat it cold, which is delicious, or I can just throw it in the microwave in a Ziploc bag and heat it up for 30 seconds and it's hot and crispy again. But the other thing I like about the oven method, Nisa, and I want you to talk about what temperature you'd recommend. I'm cooking mine at 350, but is that I can put two pans of bacon in there and put one on the top shelf and one on the bottom. And the one on the bottom, closer to the heating element, is going to get a little crispier. And my wife likes her bacon a little crispier than I do. I like mine a little uh, chewy, actually. So I can achieve both. And then the cleanup is just so easy with the parchment paper because you don't have to scrub the uh, whole uh, pan or whatever you're cooking with. So let's talk about temperature and how long you typically leave it in. I know it depends on factors like how hot your oven is. And if you opened your oven and looked at the bacon, which you should never do. But what, how, what do you recommend for cooking time in temp, Nisa? Um, so I usually do mine, like you, at 350. And, you know, about 20 to 30 minutes, just kind of peeking at it. And like you said, how done you want it. Now, if you are absolutely sure that you want it, that crispy bacon, you can always up that temperature. Um, you know, I have had people say that they do it at 450. Now, that scares me a little bit because I don't like my bacon so crispy and crunchy. Um and if you're doing 450, you probably need to be keeping a pretty close eye on that bacon and, you know, definitely check it at that 10-minute point because um, you definitely don't want to burn a whole pan of bacon. That's, that's a sure way to ruin your day. But, you know, 375, you can knock 5 to 10 minutes off, and, and you're going to – the higher the heat, you're going to get that more crunchy bacon. It's just – you really want to be sure not to burn or, you know, dry out the meaty portions of that bacon in the oven. Which I've done. I'm sad to say I've ruined some really good uh, Beeler's bacon before because I left the kitchen and didn't set the kitchen timer at 15 or 20 minutes so I'd remember to go back and check on it. So it's easy to do, right? So we're not cooking with a crock pot here. It's in the oven, so you got to watch it. But, hey, Tim, let's talk exactly. about... Exactly. Um, Tim, let's talk about some of the great flavors that Beeler's bacon comes in and also you have kind of an unusual bacon I think because a lot of bacon manufacturers in this country again these are mostly meat plants not farms but your British back bacon so talk about how the British back bacon is made different than your other bacons and then some of your flavors okay well the British back bacon is not made from the belly it is actually made from the pork loin it's extremely popular uh, bacon overseas uh, in Britain and some of the other European countries. They they call our regular bacon over there, they call it streaky bacon. But um, we made that for a company that came in the United States years ago, made from the pork loin. It's kind of a, similar to a Canadian bacon, made the same recipe, uh, has a little bit different flavor to it. But our number one selling bacon today is still our hickory smoked bacon. And then behind it, we make an applewood smoked bacon, made the same way, except it's smoked with applewood. Then we do some uh, very unique flavors. Uh, a real popular one is our pepper bacon, which is uh, made out of our hickory smoked bacon, but we rub pepper onto it. 
Then another um, uh, option over that is we took that pepper bacon and added garlic to it. So it's a uh, garlic pepper bacon. We do a uh, black forest bacon that is really good and really unique, a little bit on the sweet side for people that like sweet bacons. You also have, Tim, uh, um, excuse me for interrupting, but you also have a, a sugar-free option for those that are trying to keep their sugar down, right? Yes, and that one, again, is made uh, from our hickory smoked bacon. We just pulled out the turbinado sugar, so it's uh, sugar-free. And a lot of people today are, are looking for those those types of items. Nisa, I have talked Black. to you. Go ahead, Nisa. Yeah, last but not least, we also have a jalapeno bacon, mm. and that one is great. Um, it uses real jalapenos in it, so there are some green flecks in there, but it is going to give you that kick. It's not overwhelmingly spicy, but it's going to give you some kick. And so it's an excellent addition to like a burger or um, a BLT or something like that. And with some of those um, flavored bacons, like the the garlic pepper bacon, that is a great addition to um, dishes that maybe need just a little something to them. So like a spaghetti carbonara, it goes really great in there. Or a salad, um, like a chicken salad, uh, you throw that garlic pepper bacon in and just gives it a little something extra. Yeah, that's what I love to do with that bacon. Uh, both the pepper and the garlic pepper is uh, batch cook it, and then I cut it with a knife on a cutting board into you know quarter-inch pieces, throw it in a bag, and use it all week long for salads, just on top of my salads. I usually eat a salad every day, but I put some Beeler's bacon on top just to make it taste better, and uh, it's just delicious. Lisa, what other – most people, I think, you know, think of bacon like bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwiches, which are awesome, but then bacon and eggs. But what are, what are some other more um, – I don't know unique ways of using bacon that you've seen well so i will tell you just last night i made a bacon cheeseburger pasta and it was delicious i think bacon just adds a little something to everything and so it is so versatile it can be used in a breakfast casserole it can be used on your salad it can be used in um, like i said before spaghetti carbonara as a burger topper um you know i really don't think there's a dish that bacon doesn't make better um and i'm just trying to think of some other you know even something like a chicken um salad um you know the type that has the mayo and all that you know you put a little bacon in there and man that is going to just add something to it and any sandwich or um casserole you pretty much can't go wrong adding some bacon to it you can never go and wrong I might add go ahead tim I might add out there in Colorado, I know there's a lot of people that go camping, not only in Colorado, but throughout the entire country, and throw a little bacon on the campfire. Take an old cast iron skillet, put some bacon in there, get a stick and just stir it around, and it, uh, you know, that it'll cook extremely fast due to the heat of the campfire, but it gives it a whole different twist, whole different flavor, gives it that campfire type flavor, and uh, I know we sell a lot of Bacon to people in big bulk packages when they're going to go off on a week camping trip. It works great over the campfire. Yeah, and most people listening to this might be used to seeing your uh, bacon in a retail package, either a 12-ounce package or a 16-ounce package. You call that a stack pack. Is that called a stack pack because the bacon is stacked on top of each other? The slices is that way yeah. it's called that? Yeah. But you yeah, also pack it for food service in a, in a layout bacon. You don't call it – what do you call your layout bacon? We just call it layout bacon, but that's packed in 15-pound in cases, 
but for um, uh, campers, we have a what we call a platter style, which is a stack pack, and there's two seven and a half pound packages in a case. So it uh, you only have to handle two packages to throw in your cooler when you take off to go camping or something like that. Or um, a lot of restaurants use it too if they don't want to cook an entire sheet pan. Right. Yeah, that's a great great pack. I do I do uh, love that pack for uh, bigger applications. You're not opening up all those little packages if you're trying to cook a lot of bacon at one time. Um, hey Tim, one thing that uh, you're famous for too is your bratwurst. Now tell us, your bratwursts are great. They're awesome, but they have a secret ingredient that's not so secret anymore because I'm going to ask you to tell us, what are you putting in those brats to make them taste so good? Uh, that is kind of a secret ingredient. Yeah, but I, <laughs> my, my, I'm getting at you put, don't you put bacon in your brats? Yes, we put a little bacon in the bratwurst. That <clears throat> bratwurst is a, we have a cult following on our bratwurst, and that Bratwurst was brought over from Germany. My our great great my great great grandfather came here from Germany, and when he came, he brought his own bratwurst recipe. Now, we had to tweak it just a little bit to put our own name on it, but part of that tweak was adding some bacon ends to it, and it's in a natural casing. And people that try it say, "Wow, that's as close to a German bratwurst as I've had since I left Germany." And you talk about a product. I just did some of those last week on a campfire. And on a campfire, <clears throat> the heat is a little bit stronger, as I said, and it stiffens up that natural casing and gives it a, just a nice crackle and pop. And if you've never tried beetle bratwurst, I encourage you to go get some of those. <clears throat> and out there in Colorado, natural grocery stores handle those. So you can go to any of those stores and get our bratwurst, and you will not be sorry. No, they're delicious, and they're addictive, and I've had so many people tell me they'll never go back to eating another brat because they can't find one that tastes that good. And it's a very unique thing, too, to find a bratwurst in the market that's not the meat plant's name or the store brand's name. It's actually the family that's raising the pig's name. Very unusual. So, again, just like your bacon. So, while we're out of time, thank you for joining us today on Food Chat. I hope this show, those that listen to it, are just excited to go try some Beeler's bacon and some brats if they never have before. So, thank you so much, and we'll have you on in the future. You guys have a great day. Thank you. All right. Thank, thank you. you. It's a pleasure being on. Today's show is brought to you by RanchFreshMeats.com. Ranch Fresh Beets buys the best quality locally sourced products that we can find in the marketplace. Most of them are sourced from family farms like the Beeler's that we know personally. Hey, you can find Beeler's bacon, actually a sampler box in two sizes, which contains the bacon lovers package, which includes the best, my favorite, Beeler's flavors of bacon. So go to ranchfreshmeats.com and you can also sign up for a free case of Beeler's bacon on a giveaway that we do every week. Go to ranchfreshmeats.com. Here's to the farmer that plants the fields in the spring that turn from green to that harvest honey. Hold one up for the banker downtown that got him on his feet with handshake of money. Views and opinions expressed on KLZ 560 are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect those of Crawford Broadcasting, the station, management, employees, associates, or advertisers. KLZ 560 is a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country station.